Pastor Mike McCoy, welcoming you to the Time of Truth. Listen, I am in Lamentations. Randy read this verse the other day. The book of Lamentations, I doubt you read this very often. When you're wanting to be cheered up, you do not go to the book of Lamentations. The prophet Jeremiah, it's after the book of Jeremiah, by the way. It's in the Old Testament. And he is lamenting through five chapters here. It's broken down into chapters, but there's five laments that he's given here. This is called Lamentations. He's writing because, look, it's a bad time. Spiritually, in America, we're in a bad place. Now, depend on which political party, it don't, it don't matter. The one that's in power, everybody hates, and the one that, the one that gets in next, they'll hate them. And, and so they just, they never talk about anything good they do, it's just about all the bad things they do. And most of them do about, at most, about 90% what they do is bad. Why you say that, preacher? Because it's contrary to the book. Both sides of the aisle, I'm preaching against both of them. The independents are those trying to straddle the fence so they don't have to choose a side. Go ahead, get with me. I would to God that we get back to the days of the scripture, but we're not, you want prophecy? You can't stop Bible prophecy? We're not going back to those days. Those days are behind us. We're too far over the hill. You mark my word. Put it on the internet. You mark my word, we're too far over the hill to turn around. Could God turn us around? Sure. Can there be revival? Sure. Is God able, is all things possible with God? Sure they are. Absolutely. Amen, amen, amen. Can you stop Bible prophecy? No. Somebody said, I'm looking for the great revival. I said, I am too, called the rapture. That's the one I'm looking for. Lamentations chapter 3. I didn't tell you that, did I? Lamentations chapter number 3, verse 21. Going to read down through verse 32. I'm going to try to preach this. I just got two points this morning. This I recall... To my mind. Therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. It's because of his mercy that we're not consumed. And the reason that that occurs is because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Isn't that good? Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man 
that he bear the yoke of his youth. He sitteth alone and keepeth silence because he hath borne it upon himself, upon him. He putteth his mouth in the dust, if so be there may be hope. He giveth his cheek to him that smiteth him. Wonder who that is right there. He is filled full with reproach. For the Lord will not cast off forever. But though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. Father, I love you. I thank you for this day. I thank you for hearing us. I thank you for saving us. I thank you for keeping us. I thank you for being God. I thank you for tolerating people like us because of your mercies and compassion. I would, God, today, you would fill my mouth, guard my tongue, preach me with accuracy inside the bounds of the Holy Writ. I pray, God, that every heart in the house, God, would receive this word today by the, by, by the sanctifying of the Holy Ghost. I pray, God, that every person in a pew would have an ear to hear and God, they would receive this word. I pray the lost ones here today would finally yield to the word of God and declare and cry for mercy from God and be gloriously saved. Bless this word for your sake. In my Jesus' name I pray, amen. And amen. I guess you got with the emphasis on the final verse there that I read, I'm preaching on multitude of mercies. Multitude of mercies. Let's come to this place in history if we may. We're going to have to look back. Now, this is, uh, uh, it's, it, it's 600 plus or minus years before the birth of Christ. I wouldn't, you might say 650. Some might say 700. I'm not going to argue, but it, it's, it's at least six centuries uh, before the birth of Jesus. It is in a bad time. Now, I mentioned the other night in revival, the zenith of the nation of Israel. Right here is the bottom of the barrel. They've gone about as far down as you could go. It is in a, they're in a terrible situation. They're in a terrible place. And I'll tell you what brought them there. Sin has brought them to a terrible place. Sin will bring anybody, saved or unsaved, to a bad place. To the child of God, it'll bring you to a place where God cannot bless you and there won't be any fellowship and you'll be dry and distant. You'll be like an island, island out in the middle of the ocean with nobody there but yourself. Listen, you'll feel lonely. You won't fit in the crowd. You won't fit in the fellowship. You'll be stranded out there along sins what puts us in that position. For the lost person, sin does this. Sin puts you in a place Brother Gordon gave it in Sunday school this morning where you are cast and there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. It is a place that if everybody in this room could get a vision of today, we would beg God, we would spend the next hour in prayer begging God that our family, friends, and people that we know didn't die and go to hell. 
But we just act like, you know, that's for somebody else. I'm saved, so I ain't going. I want us to consider this first as an introduction today. The situation in Jerusalem. Here's what the prophet had done. He had prophesied. He had preached to them. And he would prayed for them. The prophet had spent much time doing those things for these people. And I don't know why I hadn't caught this before. Forty years. A probationary number in the word of God. Forty years that God was using Jeremiah in his ministry. Forty years. He started as a young man. He grew up with Josiah. Josiah was the last good king in the nation of Judah. So he grew up with him. And in that, 40 years post that, here he is now and he's weeping over the people. His nation has disappeared. I should be more broken than I am because of the condition of this land that my grandson is going to be raised in. We uh, Listen. He's not going to ever know the America that Mike McCoy knew. He'll never know the safety. My daddy used to give me a quarter. I would walk, Ernie, from we called it the Brown House. I would walk from the house to Richard Taylor's store, an old crank-up pump out there, and get me a quarter's worth of gas. It would nearly fill a gallon jug up. And I would walk back down that highway, and I was but a lad. They never thought anything about it. I'm out walking on the side of the road. Every now and then, Brandon, somebody would see me say, that's Dean's boy, give him a ride down to the bottom of the hill. I could just walk and it was everything was good. I'm telling you, I wouldn't let one of my kids walk from here to the city cemetery today. I would not do it. And if I hear of any of my church people doing that in this day in which we live, I'm going to scold you. The situation in Jerusalem was this. He'd been telling them, he'd been telling them, he'd been telling them. And one day the enemy came and camped outside the gate. And they said, this is it. God had gone as far as he's going to go. I'm going to tell you, friend, you think it won't happen in America. But we're just nearly wholly gone. There's, a, there's more, there's more that's for the perverted lifestyles in this land than there is that's against them. And you want to know God's lying in the sand? Somebody say, I don't love that God. That's obvious. I don't want nothing to do with that God. That's blatantly clear. I'm just going to tell you, friend, you're going to wish a million times over you had something to do with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Here's the situation in Jerusalem. The women have been ravished in the street. Now you won't think it's bad until, listen, and I don't care what that bunch of imbeciles say that's teaching our kids that the Holocaust never happened. You ask, there's still some survivors of Auschwitz alive today. Run you one down and ask them what they went through. All the girls stripped off like cattle and ran into a room and they come through and picked that one and that one. I'll take you. And you didn't have no say about it. Ravaged in the street, I'm telling you, everything done. Here's what, here's what transpired. This situation was this. The children of Israel 
or of Judah was taken captive. They killed the kids. Ravaged the women. Read the book. That's what the book says about it. Killed the men of no benefit. The old guys didn't have a chance. They didn't have enough. They couldn't produce well enough. They just killed them. But the guys that was young and strong, now they're going to take them because they can be beneficial. They can work for them. This, you know, this really happened, by the way. Say, well, it wouldn't happen in our day. Ask them in Poland how it went. Ask the Jews of World War II how it went when a, when a knothead named Hitler said, here's why I'm going to rule the world. We got another one on the other side of the world over there that thinks he's going to rule. He's going to take Europe. I'm trying to tell you the situation was grave. We sat here today at 71 degrees in here. We're on Patty Pews. We got nice clothes on. We drove, Brother Gordon said we drove nice cars to church today. Our stomachs are full and we're planning on going somewhere and eating after church today. If I don't preach too long and the Methodists get all your seats at the Cracker Barrel. We've got a plan. We've got an agenda. What if the enemy planes begin to land in Knoxville this afternoon? And by 4 o'clock this afternoon, the enemy was coming up Rockwood Mountain, headed to Cumberland County in Crossville, Tennessee. That'll never happen here, preacher. Don't you bet on it, friend. I'll just tell you this. If it wasn't for the bride of Christ, it would have already happen. They're in a bad way. They're captive. The, the captives have been taken to Babylon and the city's been burned. And Jeremiah could have said, I told you so. I told you so. You know what Jeremiah's doing about it? Weeping. He's crying. You read that lamentation this afternoon you get home. Five chapters. You can read it in 20 minutes. And he's crying over what's happened. Why? Because he loved his people. Number one, the situation in Jerusalem. But number two, I want, us, I want us to look at the statement of Jeremiah here. The statement of Jeremiah. He begins this. He begins this. Now, I'm not going to begin at chapter 1. I'm just in this particular passage. Here's what he begins in verse number 21. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. This I recall. In other words, Jeremiah is saying this. This is my memory. Here's what I'm remembering. I remember. I remember. God told me to buy a piece of property. I remember. The word of God's true. I remember what he had said in the other prophets and in the Psalms. I remember, I remember he'll give his angels charge over thee. I remember, I remember, I'm remembered. I call it to mind. And because I remember, I've got some hope. Because I remember, I have hope. The situation is dire. It's terrible. 
that we've never experienced anything like these people lived through. Never. It was his memory, but here, here, it was God's mercy. He says, in essence, we're down, but we're not done. Paul said it like this, cast down, but not destroyed. Here we are. There's still a remnant left. I'm still alive. I'm lamenting over what's happened, but I'm still here. Hey, you know why I'm here? Because of the multitude mercies of God. God has declared, listen, he had promised, he had promised Abraham, he had promised Moses, he had promised David, and God cannot lie. Somebody's got to be left to sit on the throne. Why is that? Because of his multitude mercies. You know what's occurring here today? If you're here today and you've not received the grace of God, he gave me this sitting right there just a moment ago. This is fresh bread right out of the oven. He's, you know what? If you're here today, you've not received the grace of God. You've spurned. You've turned down. You've rejected the grace of God. You know what? Even though you've rejected the grace of God, he's given you multitude of mercies. If it wasn't for the mercies of God and the compassion of God, the devil would have already killed you, kicked you off the face of this earth. You'd have plunged into a place called hell. But the mercy of God said today, you can't have them right now. Hey, I'm going to keep my mercy out there on them today. How many mercies are there? Multitudes. Mike Rimmer, I can't count that high. Multitude of mercies. Now, that brings me to point number one. I'm not going to preach long this morning. I'm going to give you a chance to come get saved. Number one, multitude of mercy means this. It's abundant mercy. It's abundant mercy. It's abundant where you get that? First Peter 1 and 3, according to his abundant mercy, he has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord, by his abundant mercy. I'll tell you what I've run out of. Praise God, I might run out of money. I might run out of time. I might run out of strength, and I might run out of a lot of things, but I have never, nor will I ever, run out of the mercy of God. It's abundant mercy. There's enough of it. There's enough of it. The mercy of God. He said, he said in Matthew 23, 23, I'm going to preach on this for just a moment. He said, you have omitted the weightier matters of the law. Here's what he said about the weightier matters of the law. Judgment, mercy, and faith. In other words, he had told the Pharisees when he said, whoa, you hypocrites. He said, you have omitted, in other words, you've done away with, You've not received it. You haven't recognized it. The weightier matters of the law. Number one, he said, it, and that would be judgment. You know what happened to Jerusalem here? The situation, I've already spoke of it, but that is the judgment of God. Say, well, he's not a very loving God. 
if he's going to give us that kind of judgment, he's a holy God and he's righteous in all that he does. And he done this. He's done everything he's going to do to get you to heaven. He gave his only begotten son. If that is up to me to get you to heaven, you couldn't have Dusty. I'd let you go to hell. And knowing you was going to go. But all I had to do is give him. Ain't happening. But God, before the foundation of the world, looked down there and seen a bunch of hillbillies and said, Marcus and Dennis and Mike is going to have to have a Savior or they're never going to get to come to where I am because I can't bring them here. They're too unrighteous. But when I saw the judgment, when I believed hell was real, there's some in this building today probably don't think hell's real. You know, there's seminaries across America spitting out preachers and teaching them that hell isn't literal, that it's, all, it's a place of the mind. Well, that's contrary to Scripture. They must throw that book away. That book. Now, you can find a book that says contrary to what that book says. I'm going with that one. I'll stick with the old stuff. When I saw the judgment of God, I realized, Brother Randy Weaver, I needed mercy. I didn't understand that I had been receiving mercy all along. Mercy is keeping back from you what you deserve. So I don't deserve that kind of punishment. There's none righteous. How many? Not one. You know where that puts all us fish? In the same barrel. You know what that says? Ain't nothing right about Mike McCoy. Nothing. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None righteous. The number one thing God hates is a proud look. And that's when you look on somebody else. You know what the guy said out the tent yesterday? Whatever you do, when they come through this tent, you make them feel like they're the most important person in the world. And we tried to do that. There's pierced, poked, prodded, painted, peculiar attire. But when they come in the tent, here was my thought. I'm trying to look at them the way God looked at me. Because I'll tell you, I weren't much to look at, still not. But I'm telling you this, he don't see Mike McCoy. He looks at me through a crimson curtain. And he says, everything that was wrong with you because of that, praise God, intercessor that I've got. He's a speaking words. I see you through a crimson curtain. You are accepted in my beloved. I'm there today because of Jesus. And if you're going, you'll get there because of Jesus or you're not going to get there. And if, that wrong, if that's wrong, that book's wrong. If that book's wrong, we're all in trouble. The abundant mercy. Multitude of mercies that is abundant. Number two and last today. It's available. It's not only abundant. Say, I thought you said we're already under it, preacher. 
but you're not under it where you ought to be. When you're under it where you ought to be, you recognize when you're singing, I got so much to thank you for that it turns you wrong side out. Oh, you're under it. There's no doubt about that. It's a multitude of mercy. The devil's already killed you. You think he wouldn't kill us preachers and you that are witnesses for the cause of Christ and get you out of the way? He'd get you out of the way. Serpent bit Scotty trying to get him out of the way. Got snake bit, didn't you? Amen. Copperhead. He went to inviting somebody to church, got snake bit. I don't know what you just thought. I ain't inviting nobody to church now. <laughs> ain't getting snake bit. You know what mama used to tell me? Every time I left the house, Ernie, you've heard her say, every time I stepped out the door, watch for snakes. Every time I step, where are you going outside? Watch for snakes. I found a bunch of them. But I never got bit. You know why? Scotty, watch for snakes. Available mercies. It's abundant. The judgment, the mercy, the faith. We put the faith in Him because we see the judgment. He granted us mercy to keep us from dying before we ever got it. But it is available today. It's whosoever will. The old publican, the publican, the one that nobody liked. Nobody liked a publican. That's a, that's a fellow from the IRS. That's who it was. And the Pharisee was standing there. And here's what he said when he's standing beside the publican. He said, Lord, I'm glad I'm not like that guy. I'm glad I'm not like this publican. He said, I fast. I pray. I give tithes. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not like that guy. And the Bible said the old publican wouldn't even lift his head toward heaven, but smote himself on the breast. And you know what he said? God be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said he went down justified to his house. You know what he wanted? He wanted mercy. The Bible says this. In Hebrews 4, about verse 10, somewhere right in there. Hebrews 4, he said, might be verse 6. He said this. He said, therefore... We come to the throne of grace with boldness. Why? That we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. You know your greatest need today? It's not another dollar on the hour. It's not a better refrigerator. And as much as we would like to think it, it's not a $2 off a gallon of gas. You know what your greatest need is today? Grace. When we come to the throne of when we come to the throne of grace, we obtain mercy and find grace. Amen. The greatest need is salvation in the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls. Die without Jesus, 
in eternal punishment. Die with Jesus, eternal paradise. Amen. I mean, there's no... Say, well, I don't believe that's true, preacher. Here's what I say to that crowd. Then die the way you are. God won't make you take it. Just die where you are. I'm, I'm recommending. I'm trying to encourage. I asked the people at the tent yesterday, are you a Christian? All of them, all of them but two said yes. Are you a Christian? Yes. You need prayer. Oh, I need prayer. I, there's a lot to pray about. We heard all kinds of stories. I need this. We need that. I got the kids doing this. I got, it's a, it's a, we're in a mess. So I would take them and here's what I'd say, Lord, we come to the throne of grace. And we need mercy and we need grace to help in this time of need. And his grace is sufficient. He hasn't ran out, by the way. And it won't run short. His grace is sufficient. We need mercy to help us. Look, mercy enables us to receive the grace that's there. They said that, they said that there was, I read this story, there was, a, uh, there was a young man in the army of Napoleon. And this was before Waterloo. And the young man, had, had, he had deserted in the time of battle. But he was but a lad. They'd taken him into service way too young. And he was but a boy. I know all the young guys, at 18 we think we are, we are the, I mean, we've got the bull by the horn. And then we wake up and we're 40 one day and we think, man, I didn't have nothing by the horn. This young man was too young to be into the military campaign they had drafted him into and he ran off in the heat of the battle. Don't be too hard on Christians that take off. They may be babes in Christ and they don't know how to fight so they run. And his mama came and they was going to shoot him. I mean, back then they had no mercy. They, they, look, they didn't give mercy. A third of Congress would be up on treason charges if they'd done it like they'd done it in the old days right now. They caught you with your hand in the tail. They cut your hand off. Cut you off. They had the boy up against the wall and the firing squad standing before him. And a woman breaks through the crowd and falls at Napoleon's feet and goes to crying at the top of her lungs. And she's screaming, mercy, mercy, mercy. As loud as she can scream it, they said she was holding Napoleon. Knelt, fallen down on the ground around his boots, screaming with all she had, mercy. And said Napoleon looked down at her and he said, ma'am, said, he doesn't deserve mercy. And she looked up weeping and said, if he deserved it, it wouldn't be mercy. If you're so pious in here today that you think you deserve it, friend, you need to come and call on the name of the Lord because there's not a deserving one in the building today. Who deserved it? None of us. Who deserved it? The only one that deserved it didn't take it. Jesus deserved mercy. 
Because he was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. There was not a fault, not a flaw. Even Pilate said, I find no fault in him at all. There was nothing wrong with him. If anybody was every deserving of mercy, it was the Lord Christ. And yet, he gave it all up for a heathen named Mike McCoy. He threw mercy my way. Praise God that grace might catch me one day. <laughs> hey, and grace caught me. You need mercy. You need mercy. The answer to that is yes. The question is, would you come to the throne of grace that you might obtain that mercy and find that grace to help in a time of need? If you're here and you're unsaved, your number one priority ought to be this. I'm going to call on the Lord before it's too late. I'm going to say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. You don't have to know John 3, 16. All you've got to know is you're lost and he's the Savior. You're lost. He's the Savior. Call on the Lord. You might be here. You might be a Christian today. And you, you're in that place like Jeremiah and everything around you. seems like it's falling apart. And Jeremiah said, oh, I remember. I remember something. And because I remember, I got hope. And I remember that his compassions... His mercies don't fail in his compassions. They're new every morning. We're going to stand at our feet. She's going to play. If you need to pray, you ought to come today. Pastor Mike McCoy, thanking you for joining us at the Time of Truth.